Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Daniel is snickering because I've already botched the uh, opening <laughs> intro. Daniel is with Burnt Timber Outfitters out of Heber, Arizona. Uh, Daniel's been on the podcast a bunch before. Him and his partner, Mike Hancock, run Burnt Timber Outfitters. Uh, and they've had, just coming off an awesome uh, mule deer season and had some good success on the elk. Um, Daniel, I'm anxious to um, talk to you today. How you doing? Doing good, man. You? Good. Uh, I don't care what I called your guide service in the intro, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Trust me, we've been called worse. <laughs> Burnt Timber Outfitters, you guys primarily focus there in that Heber Unit 1, Unit 23, Unit 3C. Um, but, you know, if you had to say that 3C units, kind of you guys' bread and butter, would you not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's the unit that we live in. It's what we grew up hunting. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely favor it a little bit. Um, you know, we, we know it like the back of our hands. And, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely the one we spend the most time in. Last time we talked, I believe, was just before elk season and things were getting started and you kind of gave us a rundown on conditions and what have you. How would you say uh, overall the uh, elk season, both the archery elk season and the early rifle hunt, uh, were this year for you on, on an overall basis? And then maybe kind of break down and, and tell me about uh, the, the hunts and the success that you guys had. You know, overall, it was uh, it was a little bit of a weird year. Um, we had pretty high hopes going into this year, and um, I I wouldn't say that uh, that those hopes um, were were diminished in any way, shape, or form by the time the hunt started. Um, we uh, we had some really good clients this year. Um, not that we don't, you know, other years, but for some reason this year they they seem to stand out. Um, the, uh, the archery hunt, um, it, it started out about the way I anticipated. Um, the rutting activity was, was, was really good. Bulls were, you know, starting to do their thing. They were mixing it with cows. And, um, for, for one reason or another, it just seemed like they kind of stalled out. Um, the, the general consensus that we were getting, um, you know, in, in the unit and, and in other units is they just, for some reason, the rut just didn't, just, it just didn't click. It didn't explode and it, it didn't go. It didn't seem like, um, it always kind of seemed like it was early, kind of early pre-rut and, and just beginnings of rut activity. Um, until all of a sudden one day, it seemed like bulls were just getting all broke up and, uh, and like, you know, the rut was, had peaked and was and was starting to wind down but uh, you know rolling into the archery hunts um uh we had a couple of clients um and then one of our guides jay lewis also had his own tag um the, they're in 3c um we saw some really good bulls um chased some really good bulls we had a we had a little uh little mishap my hunter ended up um on about day nine ended up uh we were chasing one one bull in particular. Um, we had we had been within bow range of him probably a dozen times. Uh, he had actually drawn his bow back on him. Uh, I think we were on 
drawback number 10 or 11 and not having uh, released an arrow uh, just for one reason or another, just too thick, uh, just didn't feel comfortable with the shot, um, you know, just didn't didn't quite get the shot, the shot didn't present itself, whatever the case was. Um, and then on day nine, we were we were on him, we had him at 45 yards, uh, he drew back again, the bull um, had it seen some movement, something he didn't like, kind of bolted, uh, we, we stayed uh, with him, and uh, the cow walks out at 42 yards, and another bull steps out behind him, and I'd mentioned to him twice that it wasn't wasn't him that wasn't the bull that we were were wanting to shoot and, and uh he asked me the distance i ranged him and told him 35 yards and whack he shoots this bull and off he goes and and uh just a little bit of uh you know he didn't he didn't hear me uh he didn't look at the antlers um fortunately Good communication uh, kind of yeah you know fortunately you know he was he was caught up in the moment you know it was all you know getting ready to come together and and uh it ended up being the wrong bull but uh not very often does that tend to play out for the better uh which which it actually did in this case uh the hunter's uh name was chad in fact i believe um you've had some some communications with him um the bull that he ended up killing was a was a just a, a solid 355 six point um not uh not the bull that we were chasing but um if you're going to screw up and shoot a bull, that's a pretty good screw up in my book. So, uh, he was, uh, he was pretty happy with it. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, we, we had another, uh, archery client that, uh, I mean, he was, uh, he was on some great bulls. Uh, he wanted to kill a big bull and, um, just, you know, for one reason or another had, you know, too many branches in the way, couldn't get a shot at 32 yards. Um, uh, ended up, ended up missing a really good, uh, bull at, at 40, I think it was 48 yards. Um, you know, just, we were right there in them. Uh, the last day of the hunt, uh, we had two different 330 bulls right there within bow range. And, and I asked him, you know, Hey, do you want to, you want to shoot one of these bulls? And he said, Nope, I'm, I'm going big or I'm going home. And we were on a big bull and, and, uh, just the way that he, it all he got, out, Jay we, Scott, he got Jay Scott disease. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he well, it's trophy hunting, you know. You can't can't kill yeah. a big one if you shoot a small one, even if it is That's the right. last morning. So, That's you know, right. kudos to him, kudos to Daryl for you know sticking to his guns and and uh, we had a great time with him. He was a great guy, had a had a wonderful hunt, and uh, you know, just was was really fun. Um, our our other guy Jay, he had his own tag. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he passed a lot of bulls. Um, and, uh, you know, going back and looking at some of the pictures and videos and stuff that he took during the hunt, and he, he passed a few bulls that he probably shouldn't have. And, but, you know, like, again, you can't, you can't shoot a giant if you're shooting, you know, good bulls. So, yeah. Daniel, overall, uh, it sounds like there was some pretty good bulls in 3C, uh, better than normal on the rise, but just didn't all come together or pretty much just, average 3c like what you expected well as far as the quality is concerned um i would say it was it was right there about kind of where we had been seeing it um it, it was for some reason it was it was very spotty uh we did notice 
Um, the numbers spotty the numbers as far as like year. seeing a good bull here and a good bull there, but not just consistently seeing good bulls all over type of thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and, and elk in general, to be honest with you, um, it seemed like this year for for some reason um, the elk were extremely um, pocketed into into groups. You know, a, a batch of elk, you know, here and then two miles away, another batch of elk, and four miles away. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't kind of your, your your old 3C where where elk were just scattered through the entire unit. It seemed like um, they they just seemed to be uh, localized in in certain areas in certain pockets. Which, of course, when whenever you get that, um, you know you get hunting pressure because people are going to go wherever the elk are, and, and uh, so when you get elk that are you know centralized into an area, then that's that's where you you tend to get you know the majority of the hunters, but. Uh, um, is that a feed issue as far as were they pocketed, do you think, because of feed or pressure? Or what What do you think made them a little more pockety this year? You know, I, I don't think it was feed. Uh, we had fairly good moisture throughout the unit. Um, you know, early on it did kind of dry up um, towards the, the, the middle to end of August and into the end of the archery hunt. Um, I, don't, I don't think feed was the issue. Um, and I did talk to... Uh, to uh, one of the uh, game and fish managers there in Pine Top after they had done their survey in 3C. Um, and uh, their survey came back uh, quite a bit lower than they were expecting um, as far as total number of elk uh, that they surveyed. So maybe more elk um, stuck down on the res, you think? It could have been. Um, you know, maybe the cows didn't come across. Uh, bulls, you know, stayed back on the res. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure. Just for some reason, they were, you know, they were spotty. A little, you know, some here, some there. Not, uh, not kind of that old old 3C. And you know, in previous years, where where you could almost just go down any road and stop and get out and listen and, and hear bugles and, and go. Um, so I'm not not exactly sure why, but that definitely was kind of what we what we saw this year. Okay, and then what day was that where all of a sudden within the rut, you know, it was a little bit weird, lackluster type of, you know, spotty rut, you know, rutting activity, and then all of a sudden, boom, antlers were starting to break. Do you remember kind of what day that was or in how many days into the hunt or what have you, what stage they just all of a sudden started breaking up? It, it was the second week of the archery hunt that uh, kind of the last four days of that archery hunt is when we really started to see it, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday. Um, so I guess that would have been somewhere close to the 24th, 25th, 26th. Um, right in there, um, all of a sudden we started noticing, you know, especially our bigger bulls, the ones that we were targeting chasing, you know, uh, bulls missing his G5 on one side, another bull had a broken eye guard. Um, another bull had, you know, half a half a G four missing, um, and uh, then of course it really um, magnified itself, and we really saw that when we went down to twenty three uh, north on the early rifle hunt, where, I mean, everything we saw was broke. Um, they just for some reason. I mean, I've, you know, every year you get bulls that that start to break up and you get broken points, but boy, it uh, it it was. It was the worst that I've ever seen um, down in 23 this year during the early rifle hunt, and and I and I had a couple of friends and, and uh, acquaintances that had uh, 23 archery tags, 
and they said it was about that same time, about that second weekend of the archery hunt, um, they started seeing it pretty bad down there where, you know, bulls were starting to get broke up and, and uh, you know, missing multiple points and beams and, and entire horns and, and, and stuff like that, so. Well, that's always, um, when you're doing those early rifle hunts, that's always those the challenge. And, you know, one of the things, like last year, I believe the archery hunt started on the 9th. This year it started on the 15th. And uh, those early rifle or muzzleloader hunts usually start the day after the archery hunt ends. And I think that, you know, from an archer standpoint, like that five or six, seven days makes a huge difference as far as bugling and activity and such. On the flip side of that, those early rifle hunters, you know, it just seems as though, yes, they're still bugling their guts out. Um, but what is a, what is always a problem on those hunts, and I've actually taken quite a bit of flack for kind of talking about it and guys going, oh, you think the early rifle hunts stink? And it's like, no, I, I'm a realist, and I've been on so many of those early rifle hunts, and they get broke up really bad. And um, I've heard other people talk about this year, you know, the early rifle hunts, the bulls were already broken. And I think that's just mm-hmm. a date issue, you know, um, and I do too. With those dates bumping too. back, yeah, yeah. And, and and I've told a lot of guys this. Uh, you know, of course, I'm an archery hunter. I I, I enjoy archery hunting. I love to archery hunt. Um, but people ask me, well, would you rather have an archery tag or a rifle tag? And I mean, every day of the week and and twice on Sunday, I would rather take an archery tag for for numerous reasons. Uh, number one, it's a two week season. Uh, number two, you get first crack at those elk. You're the first person to start hunting them. Uh, and number three, you don't have to fight the broken antlers, you know, until the last couple of days of the archery hunt. So, I, in in my opinion, the archery hunt is is better. Um, now, now people that don't archery hunt, and you know, all they do is hunt with a rifle. They, you know, they might think that that's ludicrous. But anybody that hunts with a bow, I'm sure would would agree with us. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, down there on that 23 early rifle hunt, uh, you were hunting with uh, Brian uh, Remzo, who's been on the podcast, and his wife, Nicole. And, um, y- you know, you guys went all the way down to the wire, I believe, on the last day and then um, ended up shooting that bull that's just awesome looking. I call him Flames Bull. I've seen several in 3C and in 23 like it where they, you know, they just totally web out and, and kind of, flame out in the back and um what a neat bull huh yeah yeah you know that was uh that was a fun hunt i mean we we had uh you know there were there's of course brian and his wife uh there was myself and and my other guy jay lewis um we had pyburn down there with us your nephew um so we had a great group of guys down there um and uh boy we we pounded that unit pretty hard um, I think between Jay and myself in the seven days that we were down there, um, we looked at over, I think the last number we were at was 108. Um, I think we looked at 108 bulls in seven days, and of those 108 bulls, uh, I think it was 16 of them were completely intact, and of those 16, only five or six of them were actually like like 315 plus bulls. You know, they were a lot of them were, you know, smaller, 270, 260, little six points. Um, but, I mean, just it seemed like all the mature bulls were just extremely shredded. I mean, missing multiple points, beams, um, it, it just crazy how, how broke up they were. 
And, uh, you know, and Nicole had a goal. She wanted to shoot a mature bull. She wanted to shoot something that wasn't broke. And uh, that was <laughs> that was pretty tough to try to find something that uh, that was mature and wasn't broke. So coming down to the last uh, coming down to the last morning, we had seen that bull already, um, and we we had seen a littler bull that morning. And then that bull stepped out, and she said, "Yep, I am I am killing that bull." And yeah, it was it was an awesome hunt. We had a lot of fun. That's great, um, buddy. I want to. Uh, shift gears and talk about the uh, mule deer season that you guys um, just came off of. Before we get to that, I just want to real fast thank the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank Go Hunt Insider. They're the title sponsor of this podcast. And uh, you can actually get a a 30-day free trial of GoHunt.com where you can go on and check all your draw odds, harvest statistics, look at all the units, all the animals in the western states and kind of do a bunch of research and, and figure out what units are best uh, suited for you, uh, you just go to gohunt.com forward slash Scott and follow the prompts and that gets you a 30-day free trial. I also want to thank uh, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting and I want to remind you guys that the Kuyu uh, Mobile Showroom, the, the uh, world tour is about over. Uh, They're in Los Angeles, California today, the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of November. Uh, And then they're they're finishing up the world tour in Reno, Nevada, November 9th, 10th, and 11th. And uh, you can go to the mobile showroom and try on every piece of gear that Kuyu makes. And they have every size, every piece of gear, backpacks, uh, uh, all of the boots, uh, all of the sleeping bags, tents, etc. You can check it all out. Uh, thanks to Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for their sponsorship. Also, Phonescope.com, they make adapters where you can be taking photos and videos immediately with your uh, cell phone, uh, with your iPhone or your Android, and they can match it to any binocular or or any spotting scope. Uh, If you use the JSCOT16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope.com. I want to thank Cheston Davis for that. Uh, for his sponsorship. Also, Cody Nelson, the Optics Authority at the Outdoorsman's there in, in Arizona, uh, 1-800-291-8065. Uh, the Optics Authority, if you need any binoculars, tripods, anything, any hunting gear like that, uh, they are the Optics Authority. Make sure to give Cody and his crew a call. Uh, Daniel, you guys had uh, a heck of a season. I remember doing a podcast with you, I think, last spring, talking before the application about uh, deer hunting uh, in uh, your units up there by your by by where you live. Uh, and you know, you were a little frustrated. You had said, I think, that the game and fish had maybe been issuing too many tags and. Um, you know, they, they had already kind of cut the elk back and, and were trying to make it a trophy mule deer unit as well. And looks like you guys um, caught up with a couple of those bucks you guys have been watching for a few years. Um, congratulations on your success there on those great bucks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still a little surreal. You know, it's only been a couple of days, and it's still still hard to, uh, hard to fathom a little bit that uh, – you know some of the success that we've had here in the last last uh, week and a half. So, do you think before you kind of tell us about the hunts? I mean, how much of it do you think is just uh, isolated success on a couple of these bucks that you guys have known about and been watching, or has truly, you know, has it really gotten that much better, or is it pretty much the same as it's been? You guys just got fortunate on a couple of these bucks. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I think we were. I think we were pretty lucky. Um, you know, we we've put in the time. We've worked hard. Um, but uh, sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work. It's uh, it, it takes a lot of luck. Um, and uh, we we we've been blessed. We've been uh, we've been fortunate. But we we definitely do feel lucky um, to to be able to harvest you know a couple of these bucks. And so. Um, you know, I think it's. I think overall, as as the unit is concerned, um, I I think that they were kind of isolated, um, just kind of isolated uh, events, so to speak. Um, I don't think that you know anybody can come to to three C and expect to shoot a two hundred inch deer. It's just not. Uh, it's not that type of a unit. Um, it it you know typically does not have those genetics. Um, you know, and a lot of, I, I hear it time and time again, people say, oh, we've had tons of moisture, we've got great feed, you know, these, these deer are going to be giant or these elk are going to be giant this year. And, and what a lot of people fail to realize is that it's all about genetics, that it doesn't matter, you know, how many vegetables I eat, how many vitamins I take, how, doesn't matter what I do, um, I'm never going to be six eight. It's just the way it is. I'm I'm six foot, and that's it. I'm never going to be six eight, regardless of what I eat, vitamins I take. I mean, in, anything like that. And and should I tell Gar to stop giving giving himself? Those yeah, shots? To tell him guard, he's never going to be Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor no, Dar. No. He's not even here to defend himself. I mean, he's not even here. You're whipping him. That is just not right. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're but, saying but though I, is like genetically those deer just typically it's not like you know you see 230 240 bucks every once in a right, while and it's right. genetically it, there like these bucks you killed are about as big as deer that you see there ever oh yeah and you yeah, grew up absolutely. there for 40 years A absolutely yeah i mean i i can tell you right now i can think of and we were talking about this uh, earlier this week. I, I know of personally uh, one, two. I, I can think of probably five bucks that I personally you know know about or heard about that have have actually broke the magical two hundred inch mark um, out of three C that were either um, that were either killed or unfortunately poached. Um, and and unfortunately, that you know is is a factor here in three C where it's where it's so close to 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 towns and, and civilization and so many roads, um, it it happened. Um, and and unfortunately, the majority of those five were were exactly that they were poached. Um, um, there there was the the big buck killed back in two thousand ten um, by by one of our guides uh, Spencer's uh, sister. She killed that that two fourteen buck um, back in what I kind of considered to be the, the prime of the unit um, back in 2010. Um, and since then, I mean, there's kind of been some rumors, oh, I saw a 200-inch deer. I'll be honest with you, Jay. That, that number never even crosses my mind when I'm in 3C. I mean, I've been to the Strip. I've been to 3C. I've been to other units. Um, I, I have a hard time. I don't care how big the deer is. I have a hard time even getting anywhere near that number because I know that the genetics aren't here. Um, case in point, this year, um, we, we had, uh, again, we had some great clients, uh, great guys, fun to be with. Um, 
you know, the, the, the first day we, we knocked down um, a buck that we considered to be kind of the, the top end buck of the unit, um, which is which is typically around that, you know, 180 mark, a little over 180. Uh, we found a buck that, that we had scouted, got on him. Uh, things didn't go right that morning, got back in there that, that afternoon and uh, weren't quite sure where he had gone. He got, he got bumped. And uh, he finally gets up, starts his feet out, and uh, one of our clients, Dave from Wisconsin, makes a makes a great couple of shots and, and knocks him down, and he's a 180-inch four-point. You know, we were ecstatic. I told Dave, this is going to be one of the biggest bucks killed out of the unit this year. Well, little, <laughs> little did I know that uh, two days later, Devin Hancock would take his 11-year-old boy, Deegan, uh, into another place where, where, you know, we had consistently been, been hunting big deer and uh they knocked down you know what we consider to be an absolute giant they shot a, a 206 um four point with with tickers 32 inches wide i mean just bucks that <laughs> typically don't exist around here um you know it, it, it was crazy it was it was pretty surreal um and so at this uh, point you guys are like holy smokes we've knocked it out of the park we killed a 180 and a 206 yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, now oh, this is this is insane. Well, the 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 you know the the crazy thing is, is we had another client, uh, Chip from, who was uh, good friends with Dave from Wisconsin. Uh, they put in together, you know, applied together. They'd been applying for 17 years, uh, trying to get a strip tag, and had finally realized that hey, we're you know we're behind the eight ball by two points. We're we're never going to get it. We're getting older. We want to we want to do a, a you know just a good quality Arizona deer hunt with our points and and got on some forums and uh, actually a, a local guy here uh, made contact with him and said hey you know if you're just looking for a you know a, a good mule deer hunt where you're going to see a lot of deer and have a potential to shoot a 180 type buck you know look at 3C so they did and uh, he actually referred them to us and uh, i'd like to, to thank blake for that and um so he calls me up we we talked we put in i mean we had no idea you know i told him if we could kill two 180 inch bucks i would i would do backflips and they they agreed they said they'd do backflips all the way to wisconsin and and then as uh as as luck would have it um there was a, a buck that i had been watching for about the last three years um the first year i found him um I knew he was special. I knew he was a, a, a pretty good buck. I, I was thinking he was going to be in that 175 to 180 range. Um, he was a, he was a, a narrow, what we considered to be narrow, a, a narrow 4x5. Uh, unfortunately, because that deer hunt is right after two weeks of straight cow elk hunts between the junior and the general hunt, um, he had gotten pushed out of there. Uh, we lost him, had no idea where he went, and... Uh, Never did see him again. Well, the next year I went in there scouting, and to my surprise, I picked him right back up in the exact same spot, probably not 100 yards from where I had seen him the year before. And uh, this time he was a 5x5, five five, um, forked off of his G2 on the top, um, just a really cool buck. Um, I knew he was quite a bit bigger than the year before. Um, I was thinking he was going to be in that 185 uh, if he pushed the 190 mark, it wouldn't have surprised me. Um, so we got in there last year on opening morning, uh, me and my client. We uh, didn't see him for a while. All of a sudden, some shooting started just over the ridge. 
um, and it and it kind of spooked some deer that ran down into where he was. Well, here he come trying to slip out the back door and came up across from us, and uh, my client ended up shooting at him at 187 yards, um, and he'd hit him, but we weren't quite sure where. Uh, I found about six drops of blood, and uh, unfortunately, we uh, we lost him. Never never did see him again. Um, couldn't find him. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, you kind of chalked was, him off as like he was. You, you I, lost him, and he I, was dead. Somewhere. I kind of thought he was coyote bait. I'm not going to lie. I thought the coyotes were going to get him. Um, I, I wasn't sure where the hit was. I just I just couldn't tell. Um, and I, I had my brother-in-law go back in there a couple of times looking for him. And, I mean, he he was gone. He just vanished. And um, it wasn't until about two, week, two weeks after the early, uh, the early rifle, sorry, the uh, rifle deer hunt had ended, um, I got a wild hair to go back in there. I went in there, and I started glassing. And to my surprise, I picked him up. And he he didn't act hurt. He didn't look hurt. I couldn't see a scar, a bullet hole, blood, anything. Um, but he, he appeared to be fine. And uh, so that was comforting to me. I mean, I, that was a kind of a relief to me to see that he was still alive and he had made it through the hunt and, and appeared to be fine. So, of course, going into this year, my, my number one priority was to try to find that buck because I, I knew he was big. I didn't have any clue how big he was. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Um, so this year, I, I went in there, and the very first time I went in there, which was about two weeks, two and a half weeks before the, uh, before the uh, elk hunt, or sorry, the deer hunt started, um, I, I glassed him up. Um, literally in the exact same place where he had been the last two years i mean within within 200 yards every time and i knew he was uh, a lot heavier i knew he was uh, a little bit longer um but just i mean just impressive just kind of blew me away at how impressive he was um i i did get some some phone scope uh video of him uh, unfortunately, it was into the sun, so it kind of washed everything out, washed out his mass, some of his length. Um, and I showed a few people some of the video on my phone, um, and everybody kind of looked at it and went, yeah, that's a nice buck, yeah, and kind of just dismissed it because the video was so bad. And uh, I had sent a picture, um, you know, Ken took a screenshot of it, sent it to Chip, and uh, I told him, hey, just so you know, this is the deer that we're going to be hunting. And... Uh, so he was kind of ready for that. Um, well, this year came opening morning. We were we were in there glassing for him. Uh, didn't see him. Day two, glassed for him. Didn't see him. Um, and on the morning of day three, um, kind of a there was kind of a little bit of commotion in there, and I happened to glass over into a little different area, and. Uh, I saw a couple small bucks, and, and all of a sudden he steps out, and, and there he is. Um, so I let Chip look at him. Chip looked at him for a good 30 seconds before he walked into a, a big giant thicket of uh, junipers to what we assumed to bed for the day. So um, we were actually planning on sitting on him all day, uh, but then Devin called with, with their news that Deegan had just shot a, a giant buck that, uh, that they you know assumed was going to be in that mid to upper 90s. So uh, we run back to Heber, we meet them, we take care of the buck, we grab a quick bite to eat, and we run back out, and we sit uh, on this buck that I had nicknamed High Five for, oh, 
the rest of the the rest of the day from about from about twelve thirty until uh, it started to get dark. And um, during that time, we had actually uh, heard a couple of gunshots, but they they sounded to be fairly distant. They didn't sound to be you know very close to us, so we we kind of dismissed them as oh no, that's you know just somebody else shooting a deer, no big deal. Well, um, shortly before dark a couple of the bucks that were with High Five ended up getting up and start feeding. So we worked down within 300 yards of them, and we're waiting for him to step out, and it ends up getting dark on us, and he, and he never did step out. In fact, the, the bucks kind of fed over a, a little a little finger and into a little tiny cut, and so we just backed out, hoping that they would be there that morning. So the morning of day four, uh, we roll in there. We get up on our, our, our little hill to glass. And within 30 seconds, we pick up bucks. So we get the scopes out, we put them on him, and sure enough, there he is. He's feeding right right in this bottom, perfect place to, to put a stock on him. So Chip and I, we grab rangefinder, guns, tripod, and, and off we go. And uh, we slip down within 240 yards, uh, set up on a couple of the other bucks that were with him, um, waiting for him to kind of come out from behind some trees. He steps out, starts feeding, quartering away. And uh, Chip made a great shot. I mean, just one shot right behind the shoulder and uh, just dropped him. And um, it, uh, it, like I said, it was surreal. It was, you know, it was kind of a, a three-year quest. All, all came to an end right there uh, Monday morning. Um, and it wasn't until we got up to the buck and realized that there was a bullet hole through the base of his right antler that somebody else had, had shot at him. Well, now we know that... Uh, Sunday night, the two gunshots that we did hear uh, was actually um, uh, another local guide and friend of ours, Shane Corey, his hunter, and him had actually uh, glassed the buck up on Sunday evening and shot at him and actually shot him through the back of the horn. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, so it's kind of crazy how, how the whole the whole thing kind of transpired in the whole chain of events, um, how he was you know so close to... to to Shane and his hunter killing him, and 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 we end up killing him. He's got this bullet hole in his horn, and and it kind of blew me away because I, as far as I was concerned, we hadn't heard a gunshot in there. You know, it, nothing sounded like it was even that close. You know, in the in the general vicinity to to have a, a bullet hole in the horn, but it, it was just crazy. Just definitely a hunt I will I will never forget. And of course, then you know to walk up on him and to see the mass and the length and and everything I. I had no idea that 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 buck was as big as he was. Is that another you know example of mass hiding length and 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 you know heavy enough that it it, it kind of hides how long it actually is? Yes. Yep. That's exactly right. I mean this, you know, I, and I had I had video from you know a couple of years and, and pictures, and I mean I had I had ran the numbers I don't know how many hundreds of times. And I and I told Chip, I said, I think this buck's going to be between 190 and 195. You know, like I said, I just, I can't, even if I thought, I, I, I couldn't even throw out the 200-inch number because of our genetics here. So, well, but when we walked up to him and we're looking at him, and I mean, he's he's got 27-inch main beams, and he's got 20-inch G2s and 12-inch and G3s um, and 7-inch extras uh, on the top of his g2 extra forks on the top of his g2 and a, you know eight inch average g4s and 20 inches of mass i mean it, it just started adding up and 
we're adding and adding and and next thing we know he's he's sitting at 214 and i mean we're just we're speechless and we we didn't know what to say so that's awesome that's a great story when you skinned them out were you able to tell from the bullet hole from the year before was there any scar or anything so we were when when we actually got up to the buck we noticed that right along the top of his shoulder blades right right before it got to his shoulder blades there was a there was a void in his spine the the you know the scapulas on the spine that stick up there was a there was a void there and uh so when we got him back to back to the old skinning tree and, and got him caped and skinned off um we we did a little examining and uh found out that uh my hunter the year before had actually shot him right through the top of right above the top of the spine right through the scapulas and had actually um, separated his his scapulas where they weren't connected anymore, which left that big, probably about a about a three inch wide void uh, in the in the top of his shoulder. So he had a little depression right there in his in his spine. Um, Did you notice which, was he walking any different or anything, or was he no, perfectly fine? No, he was perfectly fine, which which amazes me. I mean, I would have thought a you know a, a shot at 187 yards through the through the scapulas would have would have probably dropped a deer. Of course. I thought the same thing that if you shot a buck in the back of the horn, you know, with a with a thirty caliber rifle, it, it would probably would drop him and stun him. him. But uh, Shane has actually um, sent us the video and has since posted it of of that shot where he hits the horn and boy, the buck didn't even. I mean, he didn't even flinch. He as soon as it hit, he ducked and and bolted and like like nothing had happened. And uh, you know, had that had that bullet hit a half inch lower there's a very likely chance that he would have blown the entire right antler off of that deer. So just, just, just crazy. The whole, the whole story, the, the, the history, the, the, you know, them, them shooting at him, you know, 12 hours before we killed him. It's it just crazy. Just, a, just that an unbelievable story. So, wow. That, that is something. Um, well, you are the deer whisperer. I always say that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but, like I said, it's better to be lucky than good. Well, that's fantastic. That's uh, a great, uh, great ending there to your deer hunts. So, I mean, you had a good elk season, a great deer season. Um, what's next for you guys? Uh, we, we've still got the late elk hunts to roll around here in about a month. Um, we're going to be kind of scattered throughout the units that we that we like to hunt, 1 and 3C and 23, so... Um, we're going to be gearing up for that here pretty quick. And, uh, after what that, we're going to out of those, Daniel. Well, um, you know, Mike and Devin were up in unit one on the early rifle hunt with, with a couple of clients. Um, you know, saw a lot of elk, saw a lot of bulls. They, they did see some, some broken antlers, um, and, and, and busted bulls, but, uh, not, not near what we, what we saw in 23. So, I think unit one will be pretty good. Um, 3C, we've seen some pretty good bulls uh, during this deer hunt that, you know, hopefully will stick around. Um, you know, a lot of them tend to pack up and, and head south for the winter onto the reservation. Um, so 3C, uh, we, we just, you know, that one typically we don't know until, you know, right up before the start of the hunt to see what's going to stay and what, what goes. Um, I think the 23 might be a little difficult just because of, of, of the number of broken bulls, you know, broken mature bulls that we were seeing. So, 
Um, I think we'll have to weed through a lot of bulls to, to try to find some some uh, intact bulls for for that late hunt down there. But we're we're looking forward to it. We've got uh, we've got some more good clients coming up and uh, looking forward to it. That's great. A couple follow up questions on the three C mule deer. Um, I I know they had. Uh, you're going to have to refresh me, but I know they had kind of changed around some of the archery hunt, some of the juniors hunt, some of the, uh, some of the different structures. What are they actually doing with the tags as far as a trend? Um, and, and, and do you see much of the same for 3 c in the future, or are there, is there anything positive or negative that, that either A, has you worried, or B, has you optimistic that maybe, um, you know, more trophy bucks, or are you actually thinking that it's 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 going to decline? Or what, what's your thoughts on overall quality and and uh, you know trend of three C mule deer? Well, right now they, as far as the junior hunt, they have completely eliminated that, and that's been uh, here for well, I want to say like the last four or five years. Um, so right now the archery unit is a draw. Um, you can only acquire a tag through the draw process. And there's only 75 archery tags, which is good. Um, and then the only other hunt they have is the, the end of October, uh, just kind of our, our general mule deer hunt. Um, and in that hunt, there's only 100 tags. Um, last I had heard from the, uh, from the wildlife biologist is um, they're, they're managing it for uh, an older age class of deer. And... Um, so what they do is they require the, the two front teeth to be sent in from all of the deer. Um, they take all that data and age them and kind of see what the, what the average age class of deer that's, that's killed in the unit is. Um, based off of last year's um, age, um, average age and their, their deer count from last year, um, they decided to keep it the same. I'm hoping that they do that again this year, um, that they do keep the tag numbers um, the same uh, at 100 rifle tags and 75 archery. Uh, if they do that, I think we'll continue to see uh, quality. Um, a, a little interesting side note, um, Devin's boys, uh, Buck, Deegan's Buck, um, you know, I'm no, I'm no scientist or, or animal uh, wildlife biologist, but I can tell you that that deer had a, a very small body, um, a very small foot. Um, he had all of his mature teeth, um, but his teeth were in really, really good shape, um, a smaller head. Um, our best guess is that deer was probably four and a half years old, um, which to be a four and a half year, you know, four and a half year old deer and, and, and be 206, um, that, that tells me that we, we do have, funny. yeah, we do have some, some good genetics out there. Uh, unfortunately, we've got a lot of bad genetics too. We've got a, and I've talked about this in the past. We've got a three by four genetic, uh, big three points. We saw a lot of big three points this year that are that are mature bucks that are just three points. A lot of a lot of big mature bucks that are just you know three by fours. Um, so I, I was I was very optimistic to see Deegan's buck that it was a younger buck. It was an up and comer, um, and, and already, you know, packing a thirty two inch wide two oh six. Uh, uh, set of antlers. I mean, that's just that's really exciting. Um, I, I know those, chips those buck high five. Are... Go ahead. Oh, I was go ahead. Say those hand, hand those handcocks are tough on 
big stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a bunch of killers. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I was going to say high five Chips Buck. On the other hand, uh, he was he was an old buck, uh, big old head. Uh, his front teeth were almost gone, um, almost down to the gum. His his molars were were clear down to the gums. Um, I, I'm estimating that buck's probably going to be. Uh, between eight and nine years old. Um, if he was older, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, you know, so you know we are getting some age out there, which is which is great because with you know with if they've got the genetics and they can get the age, then they're going to reach their potential. So I, I'm hoping that the that the game and fish studies and and everything that they're doing continues. Um, that they do keep tag numbers down, which will increase age, uh, which is which is what their goal is and. You know, ultimately for us, for us hunters and sportsmen, that's that's what we want to see as well. So, uh, I'm fairly optimistic. Um, there was a couple of bucks from last year that that we hunted last year that we didn't see this year, um, but it was extremely dry this year. Um, we, I, I would venture to say, we haven't had a measurable rain since September uh, during the archery elk hunt, first part of September, second week of September. Um, so it's extremely dry. Um, Water sources were, were, were kind of a key this year on the deer hunt, um, whereas the deer, I mean, if, they, if there wasn't water in the area, there was no deer in the area. I mean, you, you, you kind of had to kind of resort back to, okay, this year we're extremely dry. Here's our water sources. Here's where the deer normally are. Here's their water, so now they're going to be over here, and, and that, that kind of played into some of our success uh, this year. So, um, you know, next year, go ahead. How much with the um, late hunts on you know on the brink here starting up? I believe there's some archery hunts that are going to be starting up, uh, late archery hunts, and then with some of these mm-hmm. late rifle hunts. How much if it if if it stays dry? Do you think people that have those late elk tags need to really kind of focus their attention around water sources? Huge, absolutely. I it is it is so crunchy and so dry. I I would I would find an area that's got a lot of elk and find their water source and that's where i would be i, I would be sitting water sources because that's that that's going to be your your highest level of success they are going to be watering you know especially elk they're they're all like cattle they're going to water every day every other day uh depending on how you know hot or, hot or cold it is so um yeah it's definitely going to play into that absolutely um i think this is probably one of the driest falls one of the you know, like later october november falls um, going into winter that, that we've had. And the feed's there because we had a lot of early moisture, um, but but the moisture's not. The, 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 the water sources aren't. So starting to see a lot of tanks uh, dry up. So, yes, definitely be a big uh, big part of these, these light hunts coming up. I heard there was a rumor that you introduced my nephew to Abe Lincoln. <laughs> oh, well, I uh, I have a sick tradition. I'm not going to lie. And uh, if I recall, it probably started. Wait, a sick th- tradition or multiple sick traditions? Because we won't go into some of them, but if you're just going to talk about one of them. <laughs> well, I do remember another one. We have a celebratory Mountain Dew when an animal dies. And I remember trying to choke one down your throat one day, and you about puked. Well... Uh, but yeah, I've got this sick tradition. I, to be honest with you, I don't know where it came from. I don't know how I conjured it up. But I've, 
over the years when we get a bull killed, especially during that, you know, the rut when they're when that that black stomach patch hair is just saturated with urine, we we cut that out um, a to prevent it from you know dripping into the carcass and into the body, and uh, b because if you cut it just right, it makes a a really good beard. And uh, so I've, I've kind of started this tradition where I get my clients to most of them hold it up to their face and they think that I'm, I guess, feeding them full of crap and that, that nobody really does it. And after they do it, then I actually grab it. And if you keep it clean, you can actually stick the skin side right to your face and it'll actually hold right on your face without any hands. And so I, I don't think Pyburn fully believed me. So after Nicole held it up and about, about dry heaved a hundred times, I had to I had to show Pyburn that no, this is real. This is how it actually works. And uh, yeah, I, I think he thought that was pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> as sick as it might be, it's it's caught on. And I'll, I'm sorry if you're gonna come hunt, hunt with Burt Timber Outfitters during the early elk hunts, you're gonna probably kill a bull and you're probably going to get a pee patch under your nose so <laughs> probably going to wear an Abe, Abe Lincoln mask huh? you're going to be wearing an Abe Lincoln yep so, oh yeah. man that's awesome yeah I guess that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> so well buddy thanks for the recap uh congrats on a great season and yeah, as you. always I encourage people with tags up in this area to make sure to give uh, Daniel and Mike a call and their crew they they run a great guide service there at Burnt Timber Outfitters I'm uh, fortunate to call both you guys, your whole crew, actually friends of mine, and, and uh, we've had a lot of fun over the years chasing a lot of different things, and uh, you guys do it right, and I really appreciate uh, uh, the way you guys do it, as professional as you are, uh, uh, even though you do pull out Abe Lincoln every once in a while, uh, true professionals, <laughs> and uh, a lot of fun to be around, uh, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing with us. I do want to give you a chance to let the listeners know uh, how they can reach you, um, as well as I'll put links in the show notes of this podcast. Well, uh, I mean, they can find us on the web, uh, on our website, uh, Um We are on social media. Sometimes we don't do as good of a job as we should. Um, I know social media is a, is a huge uh, uh source um for for hunters and and stuff and we we really do need to do a little better job um but you can uh you can find us on uh, instagram uh at uh burnt timber outfitters um or uh you can find myself at uh franco underscore bto or mike hancock at mikey that's with two e's m-i-k-e-e uh underscore bto um as as well as uh the rest of our guides and whatnot and also on facebook as well so uh, we try to get it updated, um, but it's sometimes hard when you're when you're out in the woods that much to kind of find time to do work and family and 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 that as well. So, right on, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing with us. Um, give all those girls a hug and a kiss for me. Uh, your your family, uh, love them dearly. And uh, thanks for uh, just uh, sharing with us. And uh, we look forward to having you on again uh, down the road. Okay. You bet. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Bye.